It talks about not worrying because our God will provide for everything that we need, not just some things, but everything that we need. Welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This is week two in the series, Generous. Now here is Pastor Mayel. Yes, thank you for all of you who stood. We are so grateful for your sacrifice. Thank you for serving our country. And we remember those that served and gave their lives for our freedom. And we are so grateful. So thank you again. We, we are so grateful. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see all of you. Good morning to those online. There's a hole there. <laughs> I'm all right. It's all good. We're off, to a, we're off to a real start here. Good morning. Let's start again. Good morning. <laughs> uh, we are in our second week of the Generous series, and I am so excited to be able to share a word that God's been convicting me about all week. You know it's going to be good when the Lord starts to convict you about it. So I believe I have a word from heaven for you today. And the title of my message is Kingdom Generosity. Kingdom Generosity. How many of you have ever been asked the question, if there were a fire, what's the one thing you would grab? How many have been asked that question? How many of you thought about what you would actually grab? Yeah, I've been asked that question, but I, I've never really thought about what I would grab because there's so many things that I would wanna grab. And I remember one time thinking, how would I get my couch out in, in that quickly? Well, I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to put this to the test. It was the Thursday night before our ladies gathering, so it was October 20th, and we had, Nate and I had been here, we had been at a board meeting, and I left early to go home, and uh, I, left, I left early to go home and put the boys to bed, and so I got there, and Barb Burley, uh, we call her Grandma Barb, she was watching the boys, so, boys, so we said good, good night to Grandma Barb, and she took off, and Tate said he, he wanted to take a shower, so I let him take a shower, and Within a few minutes of him taking a shower, every fire alarm in my house went off. And I stood there and I thought, what in the world? Because I smelled no smoke. And I said, is this real? Did something, what, what is it? Maybe a battery was dead. So I was walking around trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden the fire alarm started yelling, fire, fire, evacuate, fire, fire, evacuate. Well, Titus, my oldest son, being the responsible man that he is, he had already run outside. <laughs> he was already outside. And I'm just like trying to figure it out. So I, I, I'm like, well, obviously there's a problem. I need to get out. So I grabbed Tate. He's oblivious that the fire alarm's even going off because he's playing with his toys in the shower. So I grab him. I grabbed pants and undies for him, but nothing else. And um, I grabbed him. He was in a towel, grabbed my dogs, and then I grabbed my medication. <laughs> And we get in the car and we drive out and we're sitting there and Titus goes, mom, Tate has no clothes on. And I said, oh, you're right. So I put pants and underwear on him. And then I realized I didn't grab the kid's shirt. So he's shirtless out there. Um, thankfully, there was a jacket in the car, but we call 911 and they send a fire truck to our house. I call Nate in the board meeting. I said, Nate, every fire alarm is going off in the house. And he ended up leaving the board meeting early to come home. He drove up to a massive fire truck outside of our house and us sitting in the van, shirtless Tate with the dogs, my medication. And we're just watching this whole thing happen. Well, the firemen go inside and 
Turns out the steam from Tate's shower set the fire alarms off. <laughs> but you know, what turned out, what started as kind of an unexpected and difficult moment, turned out to be the best day of Tate's life. Because he got to meet some firemen, and we actually have a picture of it right there. There's Tate. And he had every fireman in a circle, and he was uh, talking to each of them. And he, in fact, he keeps asking when we can set the fire alarms off again so they can come back. <laughs> but you know what it made me think when this happened was, what is it that I really treasure? What is it that I really value? And you know, in that moment, none of the stuff that I had mattered. None of it. What mattered in that moment was my family. What mattered in that moment was getting them out safely. And it, it kind of, I started to kind of wrestle with this because so much of our life is spent trying to accumulate stuff, if we're honest. Stuff, wealth, things. We accumulate things. We're, we're, we're always going after how can we upgrade. And it caused me to just think and go, you know, what is it that's really valuable? What should I be treasuring? What is it that really matters most? And the Bible actually tells us what we are supposed to treasure. And today we're going to dive in to Matthew 6, 19 through 33 and allow the Word of God to just speak to us. So would you pull your Bibles out? Matthew 6, 19 through 33. It says this, Do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I wanna pause there for a moment. I think it's fascinating that in between two passages about treasure and money, it speaks about light and dark. It speaks about how, and if you think the light that is in you is light, but it's actually darkness. How dark is the darkness in you? That's fascinating to me. What that speaks to is deception and how quickly treasure and money can creep in and enslave us and deceive us into thinking that we understand what's really important, but to allow the light of Christ to come and fill us and reveal truth to us. I want to go on. Verse 25, that is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for, the, for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? 
What will we drink? What will we wear? Have you ever thought those things? I have. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Say that. My God knows all my needs. He knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Your heavenly Father knows everything you need, and he is your provider. This passage is so formative for us as believers. Why? Because it talks about our treasure. It talks about our heart. It talks about not being enslaved to money, but how you can only serve one master. It talks about not worrying because our God will provide for everything that we need, not just some things, but everything that we need. And if we were to be honest in here, the truth is, is that we all wrestle with selfishness from time to time. Have you ever wrestled with selfishness? Let's just uh, have an even, even playing field here, yes. And if you're not raising your hand, I know you have because we were all born with a sinful, selfish nature. And until you meet Jesus, our basic DNA is to think about mine, mine, mine. How many of you have little children? Or you've had little children? Or you have grandkids? One of the worst sounds in the world is when you hear your kids from a side bedroom yelling, mine, mine. Have you ever experienced that? And as a parent, you know, when you first have the first child, you know, you make sure everything's fair. And by the second or third or fourth, you're like, just deal with it. Be quiet. Let's just take the toy away, right? <laughs> just make the noise stop. But as believers, there are times where we have to just pause and think, where is my treasure? Where is my heart? What is it that's causing me to act selfishly? What's causing me to worry about that? Where's my heart? What am I enslaved to? What am I building? Because the truth is, is all of us are building something with our finances. All of us are building something with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. And the easy way for me to remember it is this, is that God starts with a G, and God is generous, and generous starts with a G. And Satan starts with an S, and Satan is selfish. It's an easy way to remember that. And man, I don't, I don't wanna represent any kingdom of darkness, I wanna re represent the kingdom of God. And if I wanna represent the kingdom of God and be like my heavenly father, then I need to operate in generosity. And you know, selfish people will struggle with this concept of generosity. And it's almost like you can feel the tension in them. People who are selfish with their time, how they use their time, their talent, and with their treasure. It's like this tension in them. It's, it's, it's hard to wrap their minds around it because they're only thinking about their kingdom, building their life, and filling it with all the stuff they want. It's kind of like going to the doctor. When you go to the doctor and you're there for a physical, you know, they, they do an exam and they push around on things. And if it hurts, they say, oh, that's not supposed to hurt, right? Well, that's the same thing with generosity. It's not supposed to hurt. That when you love God, when you love God, you want to be generous because you're so grateful for all that he has done. And so if you're here today and this topic of generosity kind of hurts a little bit, I'm here today to tell you that there's hope that God wants to expand your capacity and your love to be able to live a life of generosity.
And all it takes is just laying down me and my and partnering with him and his kingdom. You're building something with your time, your talent, and your treasure. And my big question for you today is this. Whose kingdom are you building with your generosity? Whose kingdom are you building with your generosity? That verse tells us at the end, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will provide for every need that you have. Whose kingdom are you building with your generosity? When we invest into God's kingdom, it transforms our hearts. It transforms us. And there's three areas that it does that in. And the first is this. It transforms us because it clarifies our purpose. When we are generous and we invest our time, our talent, and our treasure into the kingdom of God, it clarifies our purpose. Did you know that God has a purpose for each believer? When you say yes to Jesus, you now have the purpose. You now can understand and operate in all that God has created you to do. And I'll tell you, it's bigger than you ever could have thought or imagined. In Matthew 22, it says this, that we are to love the Lord your God, and you can say it with me, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who is the prize? How do you store up treasures in heaven? It's in people. People are the prize. And when you invest into people with your time, your talent, and your treasure, you're investing into the kingdom of God. You're building the kingdom of God. In Matthew 28, it says this, the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is required to go? Your time, your gifting, your treasure. It takes money to go. It takes finances to be able to go. It takes your time to be able to go. So what God is saying in this is, hey, store up treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in a lasting kingdom. And when you invest into God's kingdom, it impacts eternity, but it clarifies your purpose. Generous people focus their time and effort on what they can give to others, not what they can get from them. Generous people focus their time and effort on what they can give to others, not what they can get from them. There's an old saying that says, put, the, put your money where your mouth is. Have you ever heard that saying? Put your money where your mouth is. But what that's saying is put action to what you're saying. Your actions show what you believe in. James 2, 14 through 17 says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. When we are generous and living out our purpose, they go hand in hand. God has called us to reach every person around us. A few years ago, we were on a road trip and we stopped by Nate's favorite store, Target. <laughs> and actually it's not his favorite store. It's probably his least favorite store. We have to have a budget meeting before I walk into Target every time. <laughs> I'm not kidding, any other wives, we can start a support group. Okay, so we get to Target and as we're walking in, there's this man that's sitting outside and he was homeless and I noticed that Titus had noticed him, but we walked inside. We were on a time schedule. We had to get somewhere quickly. 
We got what we needed and we walked back out. And as we were walking out, I noticed Titus could not take his eyes off this man. And he said to me, he said, Mom, as we were walking to the cart, Mom, what's going on with that man? And I said, oh, buddy, he's homeless. He's just looking for money and food. And so he's sitting there asking people to give him things. And I said, but let's just pray for him. So we prayed for him on our way back to the car. And he looked at me and he said, Mom, that's not enough. And I said, buddy, we've got we've to get going. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, stop. I'm teaching you something through your son. And he said, Mom, we have food in the car. Let's look and see what we can give him. So we looked and I had packed snacks for the boys. And he said, you know, Mom, we can go without snacks. So he grabbed all of his snacks. And we walked back to this homeless man. And Titus, I believe he was eight, seven or eight at the time. He's 11 now. He got down like this with the food in his hand. And he said, hi, sir. I just wanted to give you this food and tell you that Jesus loves you. And he stood up and he said, have a great day. And he walked away. And I'm just weeping. I'm literally just <laughs> And I thought, wow, that was generous. You know, was it thousands of dollars? No. But he gave him all the snacks he had for his entire car ride. He gave it to him because you know what? He was aware of what was going on around him. And he wasn't too busy to stop and say, you know what? I have resources to meet that need. That yes, is prayer important? 100%. But so is acting on it. So is doing something about it. It's faith in action. And Titus was apprehending something that day that the Lord was trying to teach me about. That hey, don't get so busy that you overlook the needs of those just right around you. What if we became a church that just had little care packages that we kept with us so that when we saw those in need, we could just hand it to them? We could just meet a practical need. That we want to be someone. We want to be the kind of people that are the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. There's a lot of holes in the stage that I'm finding today. <laughs> but Titus apprehended something that day that was so beautiful. He was understanding what it was like to store up treasures in heaven. That's what it looks like. Store up treasures in heaven. It clarifies your purpose. The second thing is this. It shifts our focus from temporary to eternity. That verse says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where they will be destroyed. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where they will be destroyed. Nine years ago, we were living in Gig Harbor. And at this house, we had a basement where we stored all of our stuff, all of our treasures. And um, it had been like really rainy that season. And Nate one day came down and he was bringing more stuff to add to our stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have stuff in their house? So he took it down below and he came up really quick and he said, Mayel, there's like four inches of water downstairs. He's like, all of our stuff is ruined. And I thought, oh no, all of our precious things, I don't even remember what they are today. <laughs> but at the time I was devastated. But you know, all that stuff was just stuff. It doesn't last. But when you invest into the kingdom of God, you're investing into eternity. The kingdom of God is forever. So that couch that I wanted so bad that I was trying to figure out how to get out of my house during a fire drill, when there was the fire drill, it didn't matter. 
It literally didn't matter in that moment. I can't take my couch to heaven with me. You know that car that you wanted so bad? Is it nice? Yeah. Can you take it to heaven with you? No. But you can take your neighbors. You know those clothes that you just had to have? Are they nice and fun to wear? Absolutely. But can you take them to heaven with you? No. But you know what? You can take your family to heaven with you. It's shifting our focus. It's asking ourselves, what has my heart? And you know what? I want to invest into a kingdom that's going to last forever. I want to invest into eternity. And so our purpose is, in, is to invest into eternity. That when you invest in the kingdom of God, when you are generous with your time, your talent, and your treasure, you are making a lasting impact. The impact that you make is not just temporary, it's eternal. So today I want to share with you the different levels of giving, and I find this so fascinating because this is how we invest into eternity with our finances. The first is Nate talked about it, about it the tithe, and that means the tenth, and we found that in, find that in Malachi, but it's the entry point of giving, and it's the first level of giving, and it's what God asks us to give. When you become a Christ follower, God says, just give me the first 10% of what you make, and I will take the 90% and give you more than if it was 100%. How many of you have experienced God do that in your life? We have experienced God do that over and over and over in the times where it felt like it was painful, it was hard, we weren't sure how we were gonna make it. God always provides. According to a study done by Share Faith, there are 247 million US citizens that identify as a Christian, but only 1.5 of those actually tithe the full 10%. That's 5%. Only 5% of Christians actually tithe the full 10%. Think about that. Think about that for just a moment. Only 5%, only 1.5 of the 247 million Christians actually tithe the full 10%. Health research funding estimates that if every Christian tithed 10%, just check this out, faith organizations would have an extra $130 billion each year. It's time for us as a church to rise and do what God has called us to do because can you imagine how many people we can reach with that much money? Does God need our money? No, but he wants your heart. And so when you give what you're saying is, Jesus, you have my heart. You have my heart. You have my time, you have my talent, and you have my resources. So the first level is tithe. The second level is offering. It's the second level of giving, and it's anything above and beyond that first 10%. So health research funding says that 70%, 77% of tithers, so of that 5%, 77% of the 5%, give above and beyond 11 to 20% more than the 10%. Why is that? Because they apprehend that when I invest into the kingdom of God, I see the abundance and the blessing of God, not only on my life, but on the life of others. That when I invest into the kingdom of God, I'm investing into eternity. And it's actually contagious. Generosity is contagious. When you start to give and you start to see the fruit of all that God, God is doing, man, sign me up. I wanna be a part of that. 
Pastor Rick Warren, how many of you know who Pastor Rick Warren is? He wrote the book Purpose Driven Life and it sold over 50 million copies. It at one point was the second most sold book in the world next to the Bible. He gives away 91% of his income. 91% of his income and lives on 9%. Can you imagine? He gives away 91% and lives on 9%. He was asked by a U.S. senator, why, why would God trust you with this? That's what, he, that's what the man asked Rick. And he said, oh, I know why. Because he knows he can trust me with the money that he gives me. Can God trust you with the money that he gives you? Whose kingdom are you building with your generosity? And the last level is this. It's an extravagant offering. Extravagant offering. So there's tithe, there's offering, and then there's extravagant offering. Extravagant offering would be like when Mary came and poured oil on the feet of Jesus. It's said that what she poured on Jesus' feet was worth an entire year's wages. That's an extravagant offering. Can you imagine laying your whole salary at the feet of Jesus? Why would she do this? Well, just before this, Jesus raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. She was grateful. See, gratitude is the attitude of generosity. Gratitude is the attitude of generosity. She was so grateful for all that God had done that she was willing to pour out everything she had to honor him and worship him. You know, all of us have received an extravagant offering from the Lord, and it's the gift of Jesus. God gave his only son, that's an extravagant offering, so that you and I could be saved. It's outrageous, it's generous, it's beyond our comprehension. And if you're here today, I want you to know that God so loved you that he gave. Think about that. It's not just any kind of love, it's a so love kind of love. Have you ever experienced a mama with a so love kind of love for their kid? They will do and say things that are unreasonable. Why? Because they have a so love kind of love for their kid. Just come watch me at one of Titus's games. <laughs> Nate has to calm me down. I'm not kidding. But what? It's, it's, it's a so love kind of love. God so loves you that he gave his only son Jesus for you. That's a generous, it's a generous offering. Galatians 6.10 says this, Therefore we have opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We have an opportunity on the 27th to partner with what God wants to do here in Portland and around the world. And man, I want to invest into the kingdom of God. I want to build God's kingdom with my generosity. And here at PCC, I want to celebrate you because we've only been here a few short months, but we have learned that PCC is one of the most generous places. This last year, you gave over $15,000 in benevolence. What is benevolence? It's to help the needs of those in our community. That's a celebration. We should celebrate that. $15,000. You have paid for rent. You've helped pay, make car payments. You have bought groceries. And beyond finances, you've used your time. There was a single mom whose carpet needed to be redone. Some of you went and you helped 
You helped tear out the old carpet and put new carpet in. You used your time, your talent, and your treasure to bless her. This is a generous church. And our effect here at PCC is not just felt here in-house, but it's felt around the world. We support over 90 missionaries and missionary organizations. That's incredible. That's incredible, PCC. And last year alone, 185,000 was pledged for missions. But do you know how much you actually gave? 225,000 to missions. That's incredible. So you are a generous church. And you know what I want to see for PCC? I want to see us all continue to grow in the grace of giving. What if this entire church, every person that called themselves Christians, actually began to obey God with that first 10%? How much more could we do here in the city of Portland? And what if the numbers of generosity, what if we saw them double over this next year? That our offerings and extravagant offerings, that we would be able to invest into God's kingdom with our time, our talent, and our treasure. That God, you have my heart, so you have everything that I have. Because it's all for you. It's all for your glory. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You don't have to be rich to be generous. It's about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. I love the story in Mark chapter 12. It says this, that Jesus sat down near the the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, but a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Do you know how much she gave in that moment? Two pennies. She gave two pennies, and Jesus says that that was more than what anybody else had given. You see, it's not about the amount, it's about what you do with what you have. So what do you have? And what is God asking you to do with it? The third thing is this. The first thing was it clarifies your purpose. The second is it shifts our focus from temporary to eternal. And the third is this, it upgrades our worry to trust. It upgrades our worry to trust. So don't worry about these things, Jesus says. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. There's an incredible woman named Heidi Baker. I don't know if any of you have heard of her before, but she's a missionary to Mozambique. And her and her husband, Roland, they went there in 1995. And that's a picture of her right there. That's Heidi with some of the children from Mozambique. But they felt a call of God on their life in 1995 to go to Mozambique and to leave everything they had to go and serve Jesus and to serve the people of Mozambique. And so they left their their wealth, they left their family, and they took their time, their talent, and their treasure to Mozambique. And she says that they learned to rely on God like they had never relied on God before. And she actually said in a statement that without God, if God does not show up, we're dead. That's the level of dependence that they had on the Lord. And she testifies time after time again of how God provided for them in seasons where they had no idea how they were gonna make it financially, how they were gonna make it with provision, with food. They started an orphanage with 80 kids. 
Her life was threatened. She had a contract out for her life. God spared her life, protected her, and now they service, they serve over, they serve thousands of kids in the area through their centers. It's incredible. One of the stories that really struck my heart was actually, um, it happened on Christmas Day. It was 110 degrees, and at their center, they hosted a Christmas party for all the children in the orphanage. And they had hundreds of kids come to this center. And the problem was, was that they had a lot of, well, the good thing was they had a lot of kids. The problem was that they didn't have enough gifts for the kids. And so what she did is she started with the kids that had never received a Christmas present before in their life. Some of these children had never gotten a Christmas present before in their entire life. And so she started with them. And she began to pass out all the toys to them. And kid after kid after kid came, and slowly and slowly and slowly, all of the toys that they had started to windle away. Well, it got to the older girls. And all that they had left was a bag of stuffed toys. And she looked at this girl, and it says she got down like this, and she looked at her and she said, hi, sweetheart, what do you want? And the girl said, I want some beads. And Heidi's coworker, she said, Heidi, we don't have beads. All we have are stuffed animals. And Heidi, bending down like this, she, she looked at the little girl, she looked up to heaven, she looked at the girl again, and she goes, go check again. So the coworker goes and grabs the bag, reaches her hand into the bag, and what did she find? Beads! God provided beads. They weren't there before. But you know, we serve a miracle-working God. We serve a God who can provide when there is, it seems to be no way. And you know what? Not just that girl got the beads, every single girl got beads that day. And you know what she said to that? She said, God is God, and he is way better than Santa Claus. It's true. Our God provides. There's a name of God that many of you have heard, but I want to remind you of today, and it's Jehovah Jireh. Say that with me. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. The name Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. This name Jehovah Jireh is first found in Genesis 22. And it's the testing of Abraham's faith. Abraham and his wife Sarah had been trying for years to have a son or had to have a baby and God blessed him in their old age with a son named Isaac. And now God was testing Abraham to see where his faithfulness and where his trust lied. And so he told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac to me and show me that you will put me first. And so Abraham and Isaac go to Mount Moriah where God told them to go. And on their way up, Isaac asks father, his father Abraham, he says, where's the sacrifice? And what Abraham tells him, he says, God will provide. And so it gets time and Abraham is being obedient to the Lord. And just as he's about to sacrifice Isaac, the angel of the Lord appears. Now, whenever scripture says that the angel of the Lord is there, it's not any ordinary angel. The angel of the Lord, it's the Melech Yahweh. It's the pre-incarnate Jesus. It's God himself showing up on the scene. This is such a beautiful prophetic picture of who, what Jesus is for us, that he provides the sacrifice. And he says, don't lay your hand on the boy. Now I know you love God and you love him first. 
And this is what it says, that Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Jehovah-Jireh, God will provide. God will provide for every need that you have. It's not about what you have, it's about what you do with what you have. That's what generosity is. And my question to you today is, whose kingdom are you building with your generosity? You might be in here and you are, maybe you're a youth and you say, you know what? I earn 20 bucks once a month. You can still be generous with that $20. Jesus said that the two pennies that that woman gave was more than the amount that others gave. What it came down to is the heart. What has your heart? Because whatever has your heart, that's what you will build. That's where your treasure will go. That's where your time will go. That's where your talents will go. And friends, I just wanna, I wanna encourage us today that we are living in a season, we're called to rise up, to not shrink back, but to be the hands and feet of Jesus to every person around us. What if PCC was known in the city of Portland as the hub of hope? That here people's needs are met, that they can meet Jesus, that we are actually the city on the hill, but the light of Jesus infiltrates the city. We were down in downtown Portland this last week and I just, my heart began to break because there's so much darkness. But you know, we have the answers to that. So let's begin to ask the Lord, Lord, how can we be generous to our city? Even to the places that we're scared to go. God, how, how do you wanna use my time, my talent and my treasure to invest into your kingdom? It will cost you something but the reward is eternal. And so today I wanna take a moment because whenever we talk about finances, whenever we talk about generosity, being generous with our time, our talent, or our treasure, there's this rub that happens because I know sitting in this room that many of you have needs and you're needing Jehovah Jireh to show up in your life. And I'm here to tell you today that he will, he's faithful. He's done it before, he'll do it again. So let's just pause for a moment and just, let's just, just think. What is it that causes you worry? You can close your eyes if you want. What is it that causes you worry? What's the thing on your mind most? The Bible says to not worry because God will provide everything that you need. Today, the Lord wants to meet that need. For some of you, it's financial. For some of you, it's emotional. For some of you, it's relational. God wants to meet those needs. What would be a game-changing answered prayer for you? If you were to say, this would be a game-changer, if God would answer this prayer, this would be a game changer for me. What is that? Today, we're gonna sing a song and we're gonna worship together. And I wanna give you the opportunity that we have cards up here and we want to invite you to come and fill them out because we 
as a team want to partner with you in this season that God, Jehovah Jireh, will meet every need that you have. If it's financial, it's financial. If it's emotional, it's emotional. If it's relational, it's relational. Whatever your need might be, Jehovah Jireh wants to meet you. And maybe you're here and you're like, you know, I feel like I'm good, but I know others in need. You can come and fill this out for them. Because we as a team, we have committed to praying over every single one of these needs. We wanna agree with you to see a miracle. God work a miracle in your life that Jehovah Jireh would, you'd experience the goodness and the grace of Jehovah Jireh in your life. So would you stand with me? God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Jesus, I thank you that when you show up, everything changes. I thank you that you are our Jehovah Jireh. God, I thank you that we can bring our needs before you and you not only take those needs, you give us abundance. So I thank you, God, that you are a God of abundance and I thank you, Jesus, that you provide. So every need that is represented here, Father, I pray for an outpouring of provision today. For those that need a financial blessing right now, God, I thank you that you are their provider, that they do not have to worry because God, you see them, you see every need that they have and you care for them. So God, would you meet their need this morning, God? I pray that in the weeks and days to come that we would hear testimony after testimony after testimony of answered prayer, of your provision in place. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for those that are here and they're needing a miracle emotionally, God. They're hurting. They're sad. They need hope. I thank you, Jehovah Jireh, that you come and you bring comfort and you provide. You provide hope. So I thank you, Jesus, that you are here to meet that need. And I thank you, Jesus. I just hear the Lord saying that there are, there are families that have been torn apart. And in this season, that God is restoring relationship. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I wanna agree with you. You're believing for restoration in your families, whether it be a personal relationship that you have or you know someone. Thank you, Jesus. I see there's hands all over this place. Jesus, I thank you that you are the restorer. You are the restorer of relationships. And Jesus, you bring love and reconciliation. God, I thank you for the gift of forgiveness that you gave us. And I thank you, Jesus, that we can forgive others because you forgave us. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would meet, you would come and intervene. I thank you, Jesus, that this season is gonna be a season of breakthrough in their family. Breakthrough in their family. Just begin to declare that over your family. If you raise your hand, just begin to say that. Breakthrough, it's a season of breakthrough. It's a breakthrough. I thank you, Jesus, that sons and daughters are gonna come home to their family, Jesus. They're gonna come back to you. I thank you, God, that there's gonna be breakthrough in relationships where there was pain and dissension. God, you bring unity and healing. Thank you, Jesus. So would you just release a blessing of unity over their families, God? Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you for who you are and all that you're doing, God. And we wanna partner with your kingdom. We wanna build your kingdom, God. So today we lay our worries at your feet. We lay it at your feet and we trust you with them, Jesus. So would you take what was laid, is laid down today and I pray, Father, that you would meet every need that is represented in your mighty name. Amen. So we're gonna worship and there's these cards all over the front of the stage and I'm gonna have some of our team spread them out so you don't get bottlenecked. 
But what I want you to do is after you fill them out, I want you to put it in the bucket right there and then we will take it and we will pray over every need that you have. So come and just know that God is your Jehovah Jireh and he will meet every need that you have. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.